Hello and welcome to Tea Room Talks, the podcast breaking the stigma. I hope you're well. Thanks for joining us for another week. This week we're going to be joined with Dan, the founder and CEO of Man Up, the men's mental health charity. Now it's brilliant to talk to him to obviously see the story behind the creation and why he obviously wanted to create this charity and what made him do it, the story behind men's mental health and obviously his opinions on what can potentially change stigma and really common themes that often crop up with male mental health. So let's take a listen to the chat that I had with him. So I'm joined with Dan Sommers, CEO and creator of the Man Up charity. Dan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's talk about your personal journey with mental health. Um, where does your journey start and, and where are you at now with mental health? I was diagnosed as um, borderline personality disorder probably about 20 years ago. I'm, I'm old. Oh my God. So it's, about, it's about 20 years ago and I've, all, I've always struggled with that, but I'm high functioning BPD. So I'm, I'm actually one of those where like when I was in my darkest moments, I'm also high functioning depressive so, uh, uh, as well. The BPD stuff, do you know what? I use it as a power tool sometimes. Sometimes it catches me out, but actually I use it when I'm focused it's game over for whatever one I will complete it. The high function, the depression, that's the one I struggle with to this day. Um, but I kept, I kept my mental health secret from everybody until I founded Man Up. Funny enough, nobody knew about my own mental health and my my, my demons and my suicide attempts until after I, I, start, I started Man Up, um, and something just switched. With, with, with it all because I'm just like I just started to realize that when we talk about depression and anxiety if we talk about anxiety we think they can't leave the room they're hiding under a table they're freaking out and wobbling all over the place but actually that's probably not true in most cases from my perspective that isn't true if we talk about depression we're just sitting there crying we can't get a bed for can't get a bed for seven days and we're dirty skanky and we can't even get in the shower yeah again that's not true my darkest moments when I was really depressed, I was racing motorbikes around racing tracks. I, I was a DJ back then in my darkest moments. Well, I, was, I was DJing on radio stations, Radio One. Not, not, I only done not a couple done not Radio One, Ministry of Sound, Camden Palais, Bank, all of these super clubs. Nobody, nobody noticed. Yeah, and I often find, certainly with myself, and I've said this to numerous guests, that with my own struggles with depression and anxiety, I almost became a very good actor that no one would guess because I was just doing my normal things. If anything, I was acting even more fine because the the further I fed into that, the easier it got to just pretend that everything was fine. Yeah, no, people with mental health issues are the finest actors going. I saw something online, actually a lot of actors, established actors, Angelina Jolie, for example, has got BPD. You know I mean, there's quite, a, there's quite a lot of them, I don't mean that how that sounds, have got BPD because they've got that ability of, of switch, switch, switching off from stuff. I think that, that's, that's the problem with when we talk about mental health. We, we, we look at that tick list, oh, they're depressed, oh, let's give, them a few, let's give them a few days and all this kind of stuff. And... Maybe they're upset. Come and sit in a little circle with a candle in the middle. It's it's wrong. It's wrong. It can be hard to get that support. It's often brandished that men don't want to talk. Men do want to talk, 
but it's sometimes far harder to find the outlets the support the charities the you know funding to to be able to talk it's not the fact that we don't want to talk about emotions yes it it might be hard to open up but often with men it's a lot of the situation that we're, we're put in that it's hard to actually make those first steps to to start getting help and I'm sure you've found that in the past I found it. I found it loads of times. I'd say one of the things is this is where men are different. Men and women are very different. Women know what's wrong and they'll talk about it. Blokes don't have a clue. We don't know what's wrong with us. We know that something's not right, and then what we do is we we hide away from it. And I'm talking through my own experience. And I don't know how many videos I've done by a man up. It's in the hundreds now. One-on-one conversations and group videos. And I'd say pretty much all of them have said they asked for help when they were at breaking point. The trouble is at breaking point, you don't have a bloody clue what, what, why, why you got into this mess, which is something we promote on Men Up. Is nip it, it's not easy. Uh, there'll be someone listening this going, oh, it's easy for him. Actually, it is easy for me because I've been through it multiple times. I've been burnt out so many times. Men Up's probably part of that problem. <laughs> Men Up's probably <laughs> part, part of that problem. Here I am preaching and I don't do it myself. But it's just we keep adding stuff on, add on and add on and add on. And then and then we're in such a state, we don't have a clue what we're confused and agitated about, which then just makes, in my opinion, just makes it harder for people to reach out. Yeah, definitely. And, and like you say, sometimes it can often feel too late where I felt that there were potentially stages within my life that I could have maybe addressed it. But like you said, I'm, I'm exactly like yourself. It wasn't until I was at breaking point where I actually sought help, where some people learn perhaps to to nip it in the bud very early and unfortunately we're not all wired that same way um so let's talk about man up then the actual creation um of the charity what's the story behind that what sort of um made you create the charity well to to be honest when i got the news about keith flint from the prodigy um i I knew keith through through the racing i was saying earlier on it's just i was heavily involved in the illegal raves illegal racing park radios blah 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 blah. so i kind of knew him and then because I was into like race, racing motorbikes, I kind of kept up in touch with him as well because he was racing motorbikes. Um, and then when, it, when he died, let's face it, when he killed himself, got the news a few minutes before the press got hold of it from my mate. And it just hit me pretty hard, actually. I was just like, this bloke's just got everything going for him. He's been there, done that. He's, he's been on stages with like 150, 200,000 people. Do, do you get what I mean? It's wrong, but then I brushed it off very, very quickly. And the person I was in my office with, what was this, 4th of, Ma- 4th of March 2019? They were just like, Daniel, like, how can you sweep it off that quickly? I was like, no, I'm upset about it, but it's life. I, I know loads of I know loads of blokes who have killed themselves. They're like, well, how many do you know? And I started counting, and back then was over 20. Now it's 27. But this is three years ago, it was over 20. They're like, Dan, that's not normal. But because the trouble is... I was raised in care, I was raised in the care system. We use the term raised quite loosely. I was dragged up and bounced around. And I was heavily involved in the rave scene, the park radio scene and all that. So obviously there was drugs involved and all this. And the people from the care system, they, they tend to they tend to kill themselves quite a lot because a lot of them don't get a chance. Well, I was blessed with having quite a few chances. So I just brushed it off. That was just normal life. And they're like, damn, that's not normal. And I started looking at the, the statistics. I saw a press release around that time and it was saying about how the how the government were all happy clappy because suicide rates were going down in that year. But back then, I was de- I was leading one of the local soup kitchens, 
So I'm like, okay, well, so instant suicide attempt, or it's not attempts because they've completed, they've completed it. Um, so the, so they managed to, to to complete suicide. But I was like, okay, but I'm standing near enough every week in front of 10, 20, sometimes 50, mostly blokes who are raging alcoholics, completely not a drug, a drug addicted. But I'd speak to them and just go, what, what, why are you in this mess? And everything there could have been prevented. Not all of it. Let, let's not let's not puff around. But not. But most of those cases could have been prevented by by them talking. And loads of them I know now or, or did know that they've actually died through drinking drugs, but they weren't registered as a suicide. And, that, and that's so, right. As a statistic, it's incorrect. However, yeah. technically, it's correct because obviously, yes, it might be drugs, overdose, alcoholism, something that led them, but it's not really what was going on exactly that so that's that's when man up was man up was born dare i say because originally it was it was going to be a one-off event um i think it was june 2019 or something i thought you know what i've got a drone well i had a drone license and part of my drone license yes i was one of those annoying sods (laughs) but you know what i was fully legal and insured and authorization by the queen so whatever that's perfect but anyway, I digress. So a part of that license is I couldn't fly over any more than 1,000 people at an event. But well, what I'll do is on a weekend, I'll see whether I see whether I can get 1,000 men in a field to stand under a drone photo to say it's okay to not be okay. Let's just see what let's just see what happens. I knew I wouldn't get 1,000. Secretly, I wanted 500. Um, but on the actual day. On the actual day, I think it was, someone says 200, I think it was about 150. So I was, I was a little bit deflated about it. I do marketing for a living, so I'm always like, I want to be best, I want to be the best. And then I, I looked at my phone after being a bit deflated and finally got a bit of signal. And there's a bridge, do you know Ipswich? There's a bridge called the Orwell Bridge. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's quite a, a, a famous bridge actually sometimes for the wrong reasons. But they're like, Dan, we, we can't come. They couldn't get over the Orwell Bridge. and. I remember looking on this school field and I could see about four or five miles away. I could literally see the, the between the trees, the, the, the oil bridge. And I could just see, it's clear morning, blue, blue lights. There was a man on, I've just finished this event, there was, and there was a man who, who was about to or maybe jumped off. And we're here, here was us doing this event, trying to change stigma. That's, uh, that's terrible. Awful. Yeah, no, exactly. So I, I was only going to do a one-off event because back then I didn't dream, I didn't want to start a charity, I didn't want to start an ongoing thing. I was like, I'll do a one-off event, see what happens, and then dump all of those people back with the charities, the services, and let them handle it. Let them handle it. And then because of that, what happened with that with that man? I thought, you know, I'll sort it. I'll do another one in 2020. Bigger, better venue, one in town, and all this kind of stuff. It would have been absolutely amazing. And then COVID happened. Yeah. yeah, again, because I do marketing for a living and all this kind of stuff. I just got, I just got really, I got really pissed off with keep cancelling the event and not know what's going on. And those those government talks they did about the lockdown. Do you know they didn't talk about mental health for? I think it was three, three, maybe six months into the lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Didn't mention. And then, so I thought, well, what I'll do is let, let's let's do group videos just to keep the Facebook page alive, the event page alive. Let, let's just do group videos of just putting the world to rights. I think it's like in between three to six posts, just, just to, obviously the, the theme was always about mental health. Or how are you dealing with, with, with lockdown and all this kind of stuff? So, so yeah, that, so, so those group videos are doing real. Next minute, I'm getting messages. 
and next minute I'm doing like one-on-one -on -one videos all online. Funny enough, we don't talk about mental health as in the condition that much. We talk about how they either how they're living with it rather than suffering from, or how they avoid mental health problems in the first place. And it just and then it just escalated. But what what I struggled with was getting messages from complete and utter strangers asking for help. And some of those messages, I'm like, I, I ended up doing welfare checks. I ended up ringing up the police and asking them to. Bear in mind, I was completely strange. Strangers were messaging me, and I'm doing the whole Facebook sort. You know, when they send them a message, you can, you can see who yeah. they are. So I could, get, I could get a rough area and asking the police to go and do a welfare check. And then I started getting the police calling me back. And I was like, Dan, yeah, we just stopped him trying to jump out of the loft with a rope around his neck. And then I was like, I've got to put this into this. This has evolved too quickly. I've got to put this into like a charity status or something like that. Not, not. I don't care about having a charity. It's more because I was having one-on-one -on -one conversations with extremely vulnerable people. Bear in mind, one of them had a rope around their neck, so I don't want to trigger anybody or anything like that. But of course, that's how it is. And I'm having to do welfare checks. But I could be saying to I could be saying to him, "Well, do you know what? Give me hundred quid a week, and I'll, and I'll be your therapist." No one was holding me accountable, or I wasn't accountable to anybody. And that's why I started in, into a charity. And then next minute, once once that all happened, I'm getting called into like the NHS to help with their paramedics with their paramedics because suicide rates in the, with the paramedics is absolutely massive. To just try and get them talking to each other, and now it's just evolved into this big thing. It's extremely humbling. It really is. I'm just I'm just an an idiot who's fell into starting a charity, <laughs> and next minute, schools, paramedics, psychologists, prison guards are saying that those videos have saved their life. Yeah. And but that's what's incredible about it. I mean, you know, by all rights, I, I don't have any right to to be talking about the subject either. You know, my background's construction. I'm just a general electrician. I don't have any background with that, and I'm here just promoting the the good word of it because it's affected my life. And it's yeah. surprising the people who listen and turn around and say that the podcast helped them and it's bizarre because all I'm doing is talking to people like yourself to try and raise that awareness, but it's just yeah. giving them that opportunity to, to talk and to, to think a bit more about their, their welfare and the, the way that they are. And it's, it's sad, isn't it really that people like me and you are talking about this topic because there's no option to, you know, there's been a road that some people can't walk down alone and, and that's what I think with mental health just shows the real um, almost lacking conversations that there are out there that people really need yeah no, uh, exactly that I, I, I personally think and I've found this many many times I personally think that when we talk about mental health people automatically turn into doctor mode it's just, oh, okay, let's have a chat. Let, let's, what, what's wrong with you and all this kind of stuff. And actually, sometimes I, I think we're overcomplicating the conversation about mental health. It's always the most dramatic. Hence why as a charity, we very rarely talk about suicide because we're just like, let, let's try and, nip it, let's try and nip, it, nip it in the bud early. And I don't know, like one of my trustees turned into a good friend, Steve. He knows my triggers quite, quite, quite quickly, more probably quicker than anybody else. And he'll ring me up and like, what's wrong with you? He goes, I know something's wrong with you. Obviously, that's not the terminology of what I'm suggesting that everybody uses. Yeah. But we will treat, speak to each other like we normally do. It's like, even my wife is like, Dan, what's, what's, what's wrong with you? Go camping for a couple of days. Jump on the motorbike. Go and do something. 
because she knows my triggers. Obviously, there is a, t- there is a time and place where it's just like, then I'm, I'm getting really worried about you, mate. But nobody in my life will go into doctor mode now because they know if they do that, I will automatically switch off. And I, th- I think that I think that's what I, th- I think that's what's happening with with, with the whole. Well, you must get it with, with construction sites and all this kind of stuff. And we, we sadly we deal with construction more more than most. Sadly, because well, it's it's a bit of a shit show, isn't it? When yeah. It comes down to I mean, that's why this this podcast was created by myself. I mean, the the statistics are that two two men a day in construction commit suicide is the average, um, and I think it's the highest rated industry or at least the top five rated industry for poor mental health, for suicide. Um, and I think 85% of it obviously is a male dominated industry. So yeah. there's a lot of contributing factors there that uh, make it very difficult. And and like you say, even for myself, no one knows your own head like you do. And to have someone who perhaps won't understand mental health, there's certainly a lot of people who dismiss it. The last thing you want to do is listen to someone try and um, tell you how you're feeling as opposed to you know a registered professional if you have a friend or someone like I say who really doesn't understand it and have you tried this have you tried that and you're sort of thinking like what do you mean tried this tried that it's not not a question of that you know it's just you know how you're feeling um and certainly like you've, you've brushed on there you know males why do you think aside from um obviously I know that we've mentioned that we we don't often have the opportunity to talk or the services available what do you feel really contributes to poor mental health within men why do you think that it's so common with men do you know what i think it's in our dna i think this the 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 stigma of feeling like a failure is very much in our dna i i think the world is slowly changing when it comes down to being a bit more open about mental health talking about problems i think it's slowly changing i just i personally think there's a lot of blokes out there, me included. It's in our DNA that we're, we're the breadwinners, we're, we're the people who provide, we fix stuff. And when something's going on with our head where we can't fix it, we we convince ourselves somehow that we're failures. And yes, there is stigma with other people and the people around us and banter and all that. I hate that word and all this kind of stuff. But... I'm really starting to think that actually blokes is built in our DNA that we don't want to be failures. Yeah, it's it's interesting to, to look at it like that because certainly as a man, there's a lot of, we always talk about stigma and there is a lot of um, attitude that, that comes with that, that you can feel that just for being open or just for wanting to talk about the conversation, you're, you're automatically embarrassing or, yeah, you, you sort of carry this feeling of a failure and I think no matter how many times we try and conquer that it still seems to be the bottom line of what comes up with people certainly that people yeah. just can't do it because they feel like it's they cross the line they would rather struggle on until like you mentioned about the breaking point when it's like well I've got nothing else to lose because it's my breaking point you know yeah no, exactly that. And it, it, from from what I've seen, yeah, again, like in the hundreds of videos I've had, most of them are straight. From what I've noticed, is in a straight relationship, the the, the bloke's acting weird. He's having a mental health wobble. What doesn't really matter what it is. Something's not right with that bloke. And I've been there multiple times. And the first person what will notice that the spouse or girlfriend will know. 
she'll start na nagging. That's the term what we hear all the time. She'll start nagging him. What's wrong with you? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Leaving work early, coming back late, going to the pub and all this kind of stuff. And then what happens is, is she will know, she will start questioning herself. She's like, is it me? They, they'll speak to their friends and the friends will be like, no, no, he's him. He's been there multiple, multiple times. It's not easy. Do you know what? Just tell your missus right at the beginning. Just deal with it right there and then. Hence why I'm well known for going like wild camping and, and stuff like that, or racing, racing my motorbike around racetracks. Do you, do you know what I mean? I need that as a bloke to switch off and just get away from life for a couple of hours, or when I do the wild camping for three days in the winter at the Peak Ball Lake District. You can often feel like then if you're going to reveal to your spouse that you're struggling, you feel like you're going to get bombarded with questions or, um, you know, perhaps to them you're not... Uh, <sighs> proper man and that's i think yeah. what really sits in with a lot of people you know absolutely but saying that i think that that is there is a small number where it's just like where, where they think that the woman's going to laugh take the piss or whatever else or just lose the respect as him as a man and i do i do see that some i do see that sometimes but one of the things what i i have noticed is the biggest issue is a bloke will sometimes open up to the missus my wife's done it as well and, and you say, I've got this bit of a problem, blah, blah, blah. And then the woman would, would be like, well, okay, how, how, how do we fix it? And, keep, and say, okay, well, this is what we're going to no, know. It's like, no, I, I want to just tell you an offload. This is the thing. I've, I've, I've seen this with some straight relationship. The woman will always say, how did you get in this mess? Not how did we get in this mess or how did we, how can we get out of this mess? Yeah, again, the number's slow on that. Um, but it's like, how, how, well, how did you get in such a state? So if in a relationship, actually, it, we got in the state. Yeah. And I'm being honest with you. And I, I see that. But yeah, again, it's not right. I, I get it. I don't think it's to be malicious or be horrible or undermine that man. I think it's just that that's just how we need to just tweak our lingo a little bit. Yeah. And, and you're right. You know, there's so many pressures that for, for men really do contribute there, you know, and you've just talked talked about one really big one. And for a lot of people, um, relationships it is a big big contender you know we've we've obviously got work stresses um financial stresses relationship stress is is really a, a top contender and i think there's so many pressures that come with it to like you say try and keep a relationship happy because perhaps that's how we feel as a society and you know media that it has to always be happy conversations about your feelings don't need to take place otherwise you're sort of doubting your relationship which is you know out of bollocks anyway but you know yeah. to have a relationship where you're quite open about if you're having down days is important because a lot of the time if you aren't and out of the blue you reveal that you're having a, a down period like you say a lot of the time then it the question or the finger gets pointed to themselves that the, it starts create to create doubt in that relationship because then people think it's me it's not about their feelings it's me and I think that's where yeah. then you, you create a, a bit of mistrust and a bit of um, miscommunication, I think, you know, is a, is a big thing with uh, mental health and relationships. And yeah, and that's why it's it can be so difficult. Um, yeah, which I 100% agree with. Um, in regards to, you know, the, the future events and um, things you've got coming up for, for Mana, what's, what's in the pipeline? Yeah, well, we've only been, we've been running for three years as a, an entity we've only really been a registered charity for like 18 months and for the most for the most of that that first year we were in covid so we we're extremely locked down with what we'll do but so our vision and we seem to be doing it we seem to be doing it really well uh, considering like 
I am man up with a couple of trustees or, or four or five trustees. We're growing at such a rate that actually at the moment we're like, okay, do we call in help? Do we get other people to help us so we can so we can scale scale it more? We, we've done the events. We do annual events. One uh, popular one, which is called ROI Mental Health, and what that does is is that puts, we've done it for two years, and it, you can hear a pin drop. We will get we we will get business leaders. So a lot of to have them. We'll get business leaders who who I know and trust, who who have been dealing with or helping their staff's mental health well being for years, and we put them on the stage to show. We ask them to talk about what they do, why they do it, but more importantly, what they feel they get back in the form of ROI, which is, which is return on investment, and flipped it on his head because we're like everybody's preaching hire a mental health first aider do this do that do that but actually as somebody who runs a business myself and i presume yourself important so so it's actually that's fine telling me to spend 15 grand on my 50 members of staff or whatever else on staff mental well-being actually if i spend 50 grand what am i actually going to get back what's my benefit because until we can show that they're not going to do it so that's what we do is we, we get we get big um we get we, we get like um bricks equipment for example i don't know if you know bricks equipment they do like forklift trucks they've got like a thousand member of staff and they really care, they generally care about their staff's welfare they do they do they and um they've got they've got staff out of debt and all of this kind of stuff so we pull them onto a stage and the attitude the reason we do it because when we get people other directors coming in and put the bums in the seats Without saying it, the hidden message is, is these are multi-million pound worth of worth of business companies. If they can do it without really, not without trying, if they can do it as part of their process, their sickness levels are down, their staff turnaround is next to zero because like, they've literally got members of staff who have been with them for 10, 15 years. They're earning, earning millions of pounds every year or every month or whatever else. Actually, if these guys are doing it without trying to look the part, they're actually doing it rather than looking the part. Why aren't you with like your four, four electricians? We call it out without without calling it out. But what we, but the, it's not just about that. We, we go into schools, we go into prisons. Um, we join forces with things like Rob from Mind Your, Mind Your Head podcast. So we do all of that, but also because we do a right out of fundraising, actually, it's extremely humbling. What we've started doing is, is actually, so for example, you come along, you're like, okay, Dan, yeah, it's tea room talk. So say, for example, you wanted to do like an event which just combats electricians directly, and you're like, do you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm a couple of quid short, I don't know how to do this. We, we, we've started funding people like you. Because we're like, well, we, yeah, we're a charity. Yeah, arguably, we've got a lot of influence, but we can't talk to Sparkies the same as you would. Yeah. So why would we try? So let's let's enable people like you to do it better. And actually, it's, 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 it's ticking over really well. Like, so for example, we, we help somebody stay in rehab for three more months. For us, that's what cha- for us that's what that's what charity is all about. That's the first time I publicly said that as well. So there you go, and yeah. exclusive. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I mean that's fantastic though, isn't it? Because again, it, it it relates to the person. It's not all about the huge um, conglomerates or anything like that. It's about the real person behind who who might be struggling. Yeah, and that, uh, uh, exactly that. We, we try not to help individuals as such. The, the only reason the only reason being is is if you if you start helping individuals you can only help one person so what we so we've helped out charities before so we'll sooner help a charity because that charity can help a lot more people 
But when it comes down to the individual stuff, and trouble is, once the word gets out about stuff like that, you'll just get a long queue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had somebody want to ask him whether we can help him buy a shed. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, it's, and it's horrible. But I, but I think what people don't realise is, yeah, man up's a charity, but actually I am man up. I do 90% of the work, 95% of everything on that. And for me to like read something, go in my, I get messages or man up gets messages constantly. And I think what people don't realise is actually that's not the idea. That's not the the thought behind it. No, no, uh, yeah, no, uh, exactly that. And it really does upset. It really does upset my mental health sometimes. And yeah, so my my biggest fear with man up actually, but hence why I roughly once once every three months I just piss off. I, I just shut down everything. Go do the wild camping. Because I, I realised the more and more videos I do, the more and more desensitised I'm becoming. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because like you say, some people's mental health and stresses can seem different and it, it must be hard to balance, you know, the importance of it when you're trying to spread, but like myself, the awareness, the education. But some people, unfortunately, the, where their mind is, is they claim they are, you know, struggling because they need, like I say, a shed. And you think this is, yeah. this is not what it's here for. No, exactly that. Yeah, and that, that's that's especially with fundraisers. Like, you got to remember, some of our fundraisers, I'm nearly on first name terms with most funeral homes in the, in England, because the reason being is is I use one of the circumstances. I've spoken to the mum. Obviously, I won't say any names, but there, there was a young lad, 17 years old, jumping jumped in front of a train, and his name was so unique. I remember reading the story about it. And then a few weeks later, we, we got a letter. It wasn't a, a letter with a check. It wasn't a massive amount. And all, this letter said along the lines of, my son can't be saved. But can, can you help prevent this story from happening again? Yeah. And it's just like, fuck. It's, it's deep, man. It's, it really did. I'm in therapy for I've, I've roughly, I'd like two or three therapy sessions a month now just to process all, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but the thing I struggle with, sometimes we get like the, the professional fundraisers, as I call them. They're, I don't know if you've got any friends, where they'll do a fundraiser for Pick a Charity every single weekend. And they're, they're, they're out there. And they really, and they're the ones they want, that they want like T-shirts, they want banners, they want you to share everything. They want you to, basically, they want you to make them feel good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I I really struggle with those ones because I'm not scared to say fuck off. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that under the charity. I, I have done actually. I've slipped up before because when it, when you talk like, no, you, you want us to make you look good. And I'm, we're not prepared to do that. Hence why we don't talk about brands. We do not talk about brands whatsoever. We're saying that if you come, if you come on, on men up and um, sell our bricks equipment, for example, they helped us out. They helped us out with with a lot of stuff. We're we're not scared to say this is. Well, I think the video then was Rosie. We're not scared to say this is Rosie from from Briggs or this is Toby. We're not scared to do that. But we we don't we don't promote brands. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Dan, it's been absolutely fantastic to speak to you today. Thank you so much for joining me Thank and you. spreading the good word. And um, yeah, I really appreciate your time today. No, excellent. Cheers. Thank you very much for your time, mate. So the chat with Dan there. Once again, really interesting to see, you know, the point of views here from such a, a well-known charity, really, and the effects it's had on him personally. You know, there's so many common themes there of almost a heavy burden of all this responsibility, it would seem, that fell on him as a person. Um, naturally, you're going to feel that 
pressure almost to um, almost perform and feel like you need to offer this good service. And there were so many other themes there with male mental health. Um, it's not just males, obviously, that can struggle with this, but, you know, relationships was something there we discussed a lot that, you know, certainly does crop up and it is a, a common stress in life because when you're often stressed at work or financially, sometimes it does relay in relationships naturally. Um, so it was good to really see what it's like and the tough life behind running a charity. So as always with our episodes, uh, episode links will be available in the episode description for you to use. And I thank you again for listening and look forward to the chat we're going to have next week.